Welcome to another episode of The Hiring State of Mind. I'm your host, Tosh Berger. Um, on today's episode, we have a special guest with Mandy Kutchak. Mandy actually comes today with a lot of years of experience within the HR field, um, 10 plus years within HR. And today we just plan on picking Mandy's brain a little bit about HR hiring and you know what she's experienced over the years within the HR field. So welcome to today's episode, Mandy. Thank you so much, Taj. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. I'm excited to have you. So I figured we'd dive right in and just kind of talk to you a little bit about HR and, you know, your experience within HR, how many years you have, I guess, maybe just give us a, a quick intro on yourself and, you know, how, how you actually came into the HR field. So I accidentally fell into HR, I think like many of us. I was a theater major in my undergrad years uh, with a business minor because my dad told me I needed something other than performing arts. Uh, so after college, I had high hopes of, you know, starting my own theater company, performing, but I needed to pay rent and, you know, bills. Uh, so I joined a temp company and at the time I was living in Minneapolis, St. Paul. There was a lot of temp opportunities. And I was really fortunate to get placed in an organization supporting their HR team, doing back end administrative support lots of personnel files and documentation, but I really loved it. I had an incredible team around me at the time. Even though I was a temp, I had a director of HR who was really a, a great mentor. She ended up being um, a lifelong friend and continues to be a mentor and sounding board. So really, really enjoyed the HR pieces. I think it brought together a lot of um, what I liked in the workforce, which was engaging with people. There was still some data analytics. There was a lot of um, training and development was an area I really enjoyed. And of course, hiring and recruiting, getting folks excited about a mission and a vision and um, kind of onboarding folks into a, a company culture. So fell into it. A temp job became a, a full-time HR generalist role. Uh, and like I said, I think that was just the beginning of a 15-year career now. Uh, I am a true generalist, so I've got a, a wide um, breadth of HR knowledge. I've done a little bit of everything from benefit administration to compensation to uh, training and development, employee engagement, but really love the hiring aspect. I think it's one of the most critical things we do in HR is getting the right folks in the right seats at the right time uh, to really achieve the mission of an organization. So yeah, I, I went from for-profit to nonprofit to higher ed. And now I'm in a social impact organization. Although we're for-profit, we support mission-driven nonprofit clients. We're a little tech-adjacent, which is fun. We're professional services. Um, so we're a little bit SaaS. So there's a little bit of everything, which I love. Nice, nice. Um, very, very unique background there. And yeah, from what I saw, I see you're currently right now VP of Talent and Culture at, is it Exponent Partners? Exponent Partners, exactly, yes. Yeah. Perfect. What, what, what exactly does Exponent Partners do? Yeah, we're a collection of um, architects and solution engineers and technologists that help nonprofits have greater impact. So we go in and we help a nonprofit better use or implement Salesforce as a CRM so that they can have greater efficiency, greater impact. Uh, we call ourselves change makers for change makers. So a lot of our folks are very technical in their background and we help those organizations that um, can gain a lot of efficiency through technology perform better. Nice. Cool. Now, I guess just going back to what you had just said now, obviously you started as a temp and then you obviously worked your way up from, you know, a temporary employee all the way to now, you know, VP of talent and culture. Right. So 
I, I've, I've heard this. I've always wanted to be on that side of the fence too, where I kind of experience what it's, what it's like being a temporary employee. Um, cause I, I've heard being a temporary employee is much different than obviously being a permanent employee as, as at an organization. So I kind of want to talk a little bit about that too. How was that experience for you as a temporary employee? And did you see a difference when you obviously became a permanent employee? Yeah, such a great question. And it's fun to think about 15 years later, Taj, because I think right now we're experiencing such a, an explosion in the, in the gig economy and we're seeing more folks like that temp work or contract work. Um, and I do remember the evolution back when I was just entering the workforce. Um, I remember right away not feeling quite as um, connected or engaged because initially it was a temp job, right? I showed up, I did my thing, I went home. Um but it was really, I think, again, the team around me that changed that mindset a little bit. Uh, early on, they really brought me into the fold as a team member. They cared about my opinion. Um, like I said, I had a mentor who was my director of HR at the time who saw potential in me and I think cultivated that. And she did the same with another temp that I was working alongside. And for us, that was the big thing. We would both had a lot of temp jobs where you kind of show up, you do your thing, you go home. I was at the time doing a lot of administrative office work. Uh, so you kind of bring a book, it's slow, it's boring. But with this opportunity, my leader really gave me some autonomy. And I think that's what changed my mindset was the ability to uh, bring solutions and to like actually feel like a part of the team, even if I was through a temp agency. I never at that organization felt like I was treated differently, which was really cool. Yeah, and I think that that kind of probably plays to what you do now, right, with VP of Talent and Culture, right? So it all depends on an organization's culture and how they're approaching and um, bringing in new hires, right? So um, depending on that experience that someone has, you know, it really determines whether or not someone's going to be invested in a position, if they're motivated to come to work every single day, et cetera, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And we see that um, we have a couple of long-term contractors who, even though they're a contractor, we treat them like a part of the organization because they are, they contribute such value. And so to be able to like return that to them, I think is really important. Nice. Good to hear. Sounds good. So um, VP of talent and culture, obviously talk to me a little bit about that too. What, what does that look like for you? Do you? Are you involved with any recruiting or hiring or is it mostly just overseeing like a team? I wish it was a team, Taj. I am a team of one right now. So uh, again, I think that true generalist um, background is super helpful because I both I oversee the strategy at the top level of all things HR. So everything from employee engagement to performance management to benefits. I just selected our new 2024 benefits. Um, but because I don't have a team at this moment, I am also the executor. So I do all of our recruiting. I had 22 hours of phone screens this week. I looked at my calendar so I could tell you. Um, so a lot of hands-on in the weeds um, as well as that strategy. I did have a team. We were not, you know, uh, we were impacted by some of the tech layoffs of late. So I'm down to, to just me and trying to use some of our systems and efficiencies to help with that. And hopefully one day we'll continue to grow that team back up. So we have other recruiters. Um, yeah, so I get to do a little bit of everything, which is really exciting. And I think it keeps that skill set sharp for sure. Absolutely. I can attest, um, you know, as the owner for Express Employment Professionals, 
I get involved with everything, right? So most people think when they hear owner, they're like, oh, this person's just overseeing the organization, right? But they get involved with everything. So I do anything from AR to training and development to helping out with recruiting to even, you know, doing some sales for the organization. So, um, you know, we wear many hats and I can uh, attest to it. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know what it's like. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, you know, let's spend a little time on recruiting. So I, I know you mentioned that you, you do that as well. T tell me a little bit about, you know, what you're recruiting for and maybe, you know, some challenges you see within, within recruiting on a day-to-day -day basis now. So um, hiring today feels a little different than it did 10 years ago. I will say it's, it's very volatile. I'm sure you're seeing this in the space as well. Um, I think ever since COVID, the new normal is constant change. Uh, so we're seeing there is, there's a lot of candidates coming in, which is great. We've got a couple of open positions right now. We're seeing a high volume of candidates, um, but that doesn't always necessarily mean uh, the right candidates, right? Or a high, uh, a high volume of qualified candidates for the role. So it feels like the volume of work is increasing, but there's still this kind of volatility in the, in the marketplace. Um, which is a challenge in and of itself, I think, just being able to try to manage a really good candidate experience when the volume is huge can be challenging, especially for small teams. Um, so we keep an eye on that candidate experience. How are the candidates coming through the process? Are they getting timely responses? Are we taking care of them? Um I think AI is shifting a little bit of how we're recruiting, right? We have not tapped into AI, we're a little cautious on just the ethics. And when we do start to use it, we want to make sure that we're using it well. Um, but I started to explore a little bit of that. We have a, a fairly robust applicant tracking system, which can help manage the efficiency of recruiting. Uh, but we don't have any, any um, filters that screen candidates in or out. And we're not using AI to help do that right now. So it's a lot of actual reading of resumes. Uh, and again, it's just time and volume. I think um, salary requests are increasing too. I'm, I'm curious if we're going to dive into sort of some of these challenges a bit more, Taj, but I think the expectation of employees is increasing, which is wonderful. I am here for it. I love that employees are starting to own their um, progression a bit more and, and fighting for rights that I think have for a long time maybe not been front and center. So I think the expectation from the individual is a lot higher. And what I'm seeing from a recruiting and an HR standpoint is aligning those expectations with the right company and the right manager and the right role is where I'm seeing some of that challenge, making sure that we're getting folks into a company that um, uh, will not only be successful in the role, but will be successful in the team and in the organization. And just being really honest with candidates throughout the process, I think, is really critical to that success. 100%. 100%. Uh, let me ask you, what, what do you think is changing um, the expectations for employees now? Is it, you know, I, I've seen a change as well, obviously, after COVID, after the pandemic. But what do you think is, is making that change? Yeah, I think employees are, um, they're aware of the opportunities out there. And they're aware of the, you know, there are a couple of things I keep hearing coming up in screen, in phone screens um, that 
individuals are looking for. They're looking for stability right now, I think, again, in a volatile market. And um, we're in the tech adjacent space. So we're seeing a lot of folks who have been impacted by closures and mergers and acquisitions and layoffs. So employees are looking for stability, but they're also looking for flexibility. They want a place that allows that work-life I always say harmony and not balance. I think balance is so precarious, um, but harmony, right? Somewhere where they can work hard and play hard and feel like they have um, they have a right the right mix of both of those things. And they're looking for, I mean, remote work has changed how we all engage. We saw during COVID that this is a thing we can do and we can do it productively and successfully. Uh, so I think employees are also looking for that. They want to ensure that they have the flexibility they need to lead a fulfilling life. Um, and they're kind of pushing on managers and companies to meet them there, which again, I am here for. I love that because I think it's challenging companies to rethink how do they qualify performance metrics and what does productive really look like? If it's not hours in the office, what is it? Um, so they're really, they're, they're looking for that. They're looking for, um, I think they're looking for growth and development opportunities, which again, challenges companies to make sure they have those really clearly laid out. Uh, yeah, so I think all of that is kind of adding to some of the, the current challenges and a lot of opportunities, because I think a lot of high performers know that they have um, opportunities out there. And so if you are actively recruiting some passive talent, and you're saying, we're going to meet your flexibility, we're going to meet your desire for opportunities to advance, um, you can snag some some really good folks. Yeah, we, we usually like to say in our industry, it's a worker talent, right? It really is. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. Um, yeah, no, those are great points. I, I, you know, last episode, we, we spoke a little bit about remote work and how that's definitely been a lot more prominent not only in our industry, but in numerous industries. So I want to get your take on that remote, remote work. I mean, right now, you know, being the VP of talent and culture, do you see, you know, a lot of your employees working remotely? Do you see like productivity rising when they're actually working remote? Like what, what are you seeing from a remote standpoint? Yeah, we were really fortunate. So I joined the organization right before COVID. I joined at the end of 2019 and our and exponent partners, our company had been fully remote and fully distributed since roughly 2016, 2017. They got rid of their brick and mortar. Um, it was in the Bay Area, so really expensive. My CEO and founder was um, noticing that most folks were working remotely. And he, I think, was approaching it really brilliantly. He he noticed that productivity was staying the same, right? Our clients were national our employees should be national too. We were able to support that. We had some good data and metrics in place. If you have strong leadership that are able to manage that remote piece, I think it can go really well. So he got rid of our brick and mortar. And I remember when I transitioned to Exponent Partners, I was really looking for a fully remote opportunity. And this was pre-COVID. And the reason was, I was curious what culture building looked like in a remote space. Because I think I was just confused about how that worked. I'd always worked in person. I'd been like, you know, an in-person HR talent person. Um, and so I was like, oh, this thing sounds really fascinating. I love it, I, but I don't know how it works. So I actively sought out those virtual opportunities because I wanted to learn more. And when I joined the organization, it felt so easy because our leadership trusted employees to get the work done. And it was easy for us, like the work we did to, to 
see that. We're billable. Most of our employees are billing at work. There's a work product that we can kind of test and analyze and evaluate. So it, it works well for the type of organization that we are. I can see it possibly being more challenging in other spaces, um, but our employees love it and they love the flexibility that that allows, uh, which is such a competitive edge, I think. Yeah, and you know, it's funny. Um, I think when we were working remote too, um, I think, you know, you're able to also see where there's, you know, gaps from people that maybe are meeting expectations from the ones that aren't, right? So I think that is a lot more visible when you're working remote as opposed to when you're working in an office. Because I think to your point, you mentioned it earlier, it's like, you know, when you're in an office, people just assume you're working when it could not necessarily be the case. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That it, we think of the busyness is, oh, they're here. They're here long hours. Like, but what does that actually mean? Does that equate to productiveness? Yeah. yeah. Right, right. That's good. That's interesting. Okay, cool. Um, so, I, I, you know, talking a little bit about culture, um, you mentioned that what does the culture look like working remote? You know, you spoke about your current employers trusting their employees. Um, for you, I mean, I'm sure you're hiring daily, like you mentioned, right? So, you know, whether it be internally within Exponent Partners or even, you know, when you're not recruiting for Exponent Partners, um, what kind of culture are you looking? Or I guess you could say, what, what do you hire for or how do you hire for the right culture fit? Rather, maybe that's the best question. Yes. How do you hire for the right culture fit? Yeah. Oh, I love that question, Tash, because I think it's hard. And we talk a lot internally about what you just said, culture um, ad and culture fit, right? So we want to make sure in all of our processes that we're embedding diversity, equity, inclusion, um, not just from, you know, it's a good thing to do, but because we want to be a really inclusive culture. And that's one of our uh, stakes in the ground and some of our values. But um, I tell hiring managers this, and it's a lot easier to say than it is to do. But I'm often like, okay, culture add sometimes means what are we missing, which can be tough. So we want to make sure we're we're um, bringing folks into the culture that align with our values and align with our aspirational culture. So we need to have that well-defined. But then we need to bring in the skill set that we need for the role and maybe even skill sets that we're missing on the team or in the company. And that can be tough because bringing in different skill sets or different learning styles um, means that, the, you know, folks are just going to approach problems differently. So there might be a little bit of conflict right away before we get to sort of a stabilizing and, and norming and performing team. Um, so the things that we've talked a lot about internally when we think about our culture and how to hire for our exponent partners, aspirational culture, is um, we want folks that can can manage through change. I often talk about them as like, I call them my tardigrade trio because I hate the unicorn. Everyone in tech is looking for a unicorn, right? This magical person that will fix everything that's wrong on the team. Um, and I hate that because unicorns are mystical and magical for a reason. We often don't have them, uh, but tardigrades are real, right? And they're real because they're resilient, they're nimble, they're agile. So we want to hire folks that can manage through change. There's constant change in our workforce. So bringing individuals in that have a resiliency that are able to solve problems, uh, that think like an owner, because we are working on being employee owned, so can really own, um, can feel empowered and own decision making is really important for us. 
so those are those are pieces that we kind of try to figure out interview questions to get at. How are they with change? How are they with resiliency and persistence? Um, how are they with failure? What do they do and how do they learn from that? Those are pieces that we really look for. I'm sure with, you know, talking about company culture, you also probably, you know, from time to time have to touch on maybe engagement. Like, how do you keep your employees engaged, right? Um, I think that's something that is a hot topic within our industry um, between that and retention. So I'm, I'm also curious to know, how do you engage your employees right now with Exponent Partners? Such a good question and very timely. So my employee engagement score is my one metric that I bring to executive team every week because we think this is the leading metric that's going to show us everything. You know, it's it's going to show us if turnover is going to increase. It's going to show us if um, uh, if revenue is going to go down, right, if we're losing our top performers, right? So everything, I think, comes back to this engagement. And I, there are things we're still learning and figuring out and things that we probably can improve and things that we do well, but a couple of pieces that we have found help with that engagement. Um, and I think about this personally as well. Like I want a manager in a company that um, makes me feel valued and that looks different for different people. So it's figuring out what does value mean, which is, it's hard. I work often with our hiring managers on, you know, are your people intrinsically motivated? Do they want to see how their job supports the mission of the organization? So those cascading goals are really important to some people. How are they helping with company success? And for us, that also means how are we helping with our nonprofit success, which can really get at some of those intrinsically motivated folks. Are they extrinsically motivated? Do they want good salary, good benefits? I think that's most of us, right? We want to be competitively paid. I post all of our salary ranges on our job openings because I think it's a critical piece of hiring is being really transparent with your pay. And it helps our internal employees feel really valued as well. Like we're not bringing in people higher than where they are at. There's some good transparency there and some understanding of equity. Um, so I think a lot of people need to know that they're being competitively paid and they have good benefits. Um, but then I think it's also investing again in that growth. So how are you investing in folks' uh, ability to develop, whether that's professional development funds, supporting conferences and certifications, all of that good stuff is really important to our people. And I think it's um, allowing folks who need it to feel like they're, again, autonomous and creative within the right parameters for their role. But people want to feel like they are having a positive impact. Um, and that's where we've really seen engagement scores increase is when we are communicating, listening to our employees, making them feel valued and recognized and like they, you know, are supporting the goals of the company. Right. They feel invested, you know. Um, and yeah, if you're going to your employees and talking to them about those things um, and if they can give an honest opinion, they, you know, they're going to value where they're working. So 100 um, percent. That's good to know. And obviously, you mentioned earlier during the during the show that you just actually comprised or I guess constructed your 2024 benefits. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, so I'm I'm also curious to know if you're seeing anything within the industry as an industry um, trend um, or anything that you feel is going to peak in 2024 um, that maybe we didn't see this year. Oh, that's a great question. There are so so many things on the benefit side when we talk about total comp. 
of course I'm getting a call. So I'm just going to decline that, send it to voice message. Um, so I think there's a lot of things <laughs> everyone's trying to get a hold of everyone. Um, a couple of things that I think might trend upwards. So obviously this idea of professional development funds, every year we put it in our budget for per person per year. How are we supporting the development of our people? But then I, you know, my CEO is out of California. All of our medical dental vision plans are out of California, even though we have national um, networks and benefits. So we have the ability to be a little bit more progressive in our plan design and, and construction, which I love. I sit in North Carolina, so this has been really fun in the last four years. Uh, but something we're seeing is how can we be really innovative with our healthcare and our medical and our dental? So thinking about... Um, the cost of, of medical is increasing, I mean, exponentially in the country right now, even though folks using that care is decreasing. So us as a company, increasing our benefits each year, we have really rich benefits, we pick up 100% for people, but increasing that doesn't have as much value um, to employees because they're not seeing it. They're like, well, I don't go to the doctor, so it doesn't matter. You're paying $3,000 a month for me, right? So how can we actually... Um, still within compliance and, you know, uh, federal and state laws, how can we give people more opportunity to make their own plans, whether that's through cafeteria plans or high deductibles with the, like a match for HSAs. So we're trying to think of like creative ways that way. Um, and then everybody wants, I think, mental health um, nowadays, which is really important and really great. So we're seeing an increase in employees asking for that type of benefit. So how do we provide that? Um, and how do we just give them more of like a marketplace feel where they can design their own benefits? We've got folks that want pet insurance and other people that don't have pets, so they want better benefits for their kids. Um, so really designing a marketplace that allows for employees to kind of create that individual experience, I think is really critical. Yeah, I could see that definitely trending in 2024 as well. Um, I, I read in an article recently, you know, how can you actually motivate your employees, right? Um, to come in and, you know, perform on a high, on a high basis every single day. And, um, in the past, it was mostly just you would throw, you know, throw money at them, really, you know, essentially you'd increase their salaries or, you know, you give them a bonus, whatever it may be. Right. But I think in today's market, what we're seeing is people want to be awarded differently. Right. So you mentioned, hey, whether it be insurance for your dogs or insurance for um, yourself or your children. Right. Whatever it may be. And I think we're seeing that now. And I think the shift um, from monetary to more so um self is, is is a thing and it's harder for i think for managers and you know as an owner for an owner to and my husband and i just opened up a food truck last summer so i'm like very much feeling the the owner of a of a company um but it's harder to have those individual benefits right you can't just say okay across the board everybody gets x you gets pto at 10 days and medical benefits it's a lot harder to say we're going to design things that are flexible for each individual, depending on what you want. But it's so important. And what we're seeing is like it's worth the investment and the time to set up those individual paths and to still have some equity and compliance and, you know, consistency. Um, but to really let folks opt in, I think, is really nice. Switching gears a little bit to interviewing and hiring now. When it comes to interviewing, do you have like... I always love to ask everyone this, but do you have a favorite question that you love to ask when you're interviewing? 
I loved that. And I love that you had that in the email touch because I was like, oh, I do. I do have a couple of interview questions that I ask everybody. So the the two that I love to ask, no matter what, I ask everybody, um, what is your ideal company culture? What are you looking for in an organization? I get to ask it before they ask me, right? Because most candidates, if they're ta- tuned in nowadays, they're going to ask the recruiter or the hiring manager, what's your company culture like? You know, describe the, the culture. So I like to get them before they get me. Uh, And what I look for there is, you know, some folks are going to want a lot of stability, not a lot of change. They might not be the right candidate for us because, again, we have, you know, a lot of change, a lot of um, uh, complexities in the work we do. So hearing that is really important. And it gives you insight into if the employees looked you up at all. Do they know your company values? Have they done any research? Uh, So I love I love that question. And I think sometimes it also makes the candidate feel good that you care about um, what they're looking for in an organization. I've had a couple of candidates be like, oh, thank you for asking. Uh, and so that's always a fun moment. And then I also like to ask, um, again, I think this is on the have they done the research? Are they looking for our job instead of just a job? I always ask, why do you want to work for us? What do you know about our company? And why do you think you could positively contribute to the work we do? Um, and that gets at the sort of, did they look this up? Do they know anything about what we do? How would they bring their skill set to the role and to the organization? Right. Those are my two favorites. <laughs> nice. Those are good. Those are really two good questions right there. Um, you know, that for someone like myself who interviews every single day, um, I often, to your point, I often get those questions, right? Yeah. But, yes. you know, you can obviously... Um, give it to the person that you're interviewing definitely a lot better because you kind of want to hear what their responses are. And most people, I don't think, think about that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Nice. How has hiring and maybe interviewing changed um, today or as we even go into 2024 um, than when you first started, you know, in recruiting and hiring? I think about even, um, gosh, I think it was six or seven years ago when I was um, hiring in Minneapolis, St. Paul, and we were doing, again, we were in person, so a lot of our interviews, um, folks would come into the office, uh, and obviously that's shifted with the remote work I do now, but I think what's been really interesting is um, the there's a lot of tooling out there. So a lot of new systems and tools. We can get a little tech fatigued, I think, in recruiting. I don't know if you're experiencing this, Taj, but it feels like every time I turn around, there's a new applicant tracking system that's going to improve your efficiency, your speed to hire. Um, and so I think nowadays it's like actually figuring out what's the role you need? How do you screen for that? Because before I think we had... Um, the volume was different. It felt a little bit lower volume. The, ta- the marketplace, there wasn't quite the war for talent, right? So you had, I think, as an employer, more time, more opportunity. You felt a little bit more in control. It was like, okay, I've got this good candidate, but I'm not going to lose them because we're probably the only place they're looking at. And now that power has really shifted. Again, like top talent has tons of opportunity. So as the employer, you're feeling a lot more pressure, I think, to like, immediately get folks through, respond, make sure they're having a good experience, make sure if they're your top candidate, they know it so that if they have two or three other offers on the table, yours is at least being considered. Um, so I think that that power is definitely shifting. Um, and you're seeing we're seeing that when when I talk to my recruiting and HR friends, like there's a lot of stress there. 
but again, I think I think it's a good shift. I think it's going to result in, in a lot more employee empowerment, which is exciting. You mentioned something earlier about obviously, you know, utilizing like recruiting firms sometimes. Um, do, you, do you find yourself use, utilizing them often? We use them occasionally. I will say for a small company, sometimes it's cost prohibitive. So oftentimes, at least um, placement firms that take a, a percentage off of base pay can be a little bit cost prohibitive for us. But we do engage with um, firms that will help with temp or temp to hire or contract work, especially when we're looking for a specific skill set. It can be really nice to go through an organization that is has a deep bench for that skill set. So because we're in tech, sometimes we are looking for somebody that knows this type of platform or program or system or coding. So that can be really helpful. Um, like I said, and it, it can help with recruiter bench. I've been in other companies where we've used, we've had some good partnerships with, with um, firms because they know us and they know what we're looking for. And I think that's what you really want to find. You want to find a good partner who will listen to your needs as either a recruiter or a hiring manager or company um, and won't just um, throw candidates and resumes at you. I've also had those companies that are like, oh, here's 10 people. Great. You hired one of them. Give me my 20%. Um, but you, what you really want is you want that good partnership. Absolutely. I mean, we see that daily as well with the companies that you know, I specifically work with, uh, they're looking for partners and they need people that are sort of an extension to their department. They don't want someone that's, to your point, just going to throw resumes at them and uh, a multitude of resumes, you know, as a recruiting firm, you should potentially maybe at max, you know, for one position send maybe three candidates, right? So this way you guys can make a decision from there. Yeah. And the good ones, I'm sure like you all, um, they... Th they're, they're in it for both the company and for their candidates, right? So they're advising on both sides of that. Okay, here's what you really need. And to the candidate, here's what you should be asking and looking for. Um, and again, I've, I've worked with good companies and I've worked with others that are like, oh, what's your, who do you work for again? <laughs> it's like, oh no, I need, I need a partner in this. Yeah, absolutely. Which, you know, as you, as you say that, I have a really good question for you that I'd love to ask everyone as well. As far as like, when it comes to deciding who to work with, recruiting firm. I'm sure on a day-to-day -day basis, you probably get inundated with either calls, messages, emails from various recruiters that are probably looking to obtain your business. Um, so for you, how do you decide on who you're going to proceed on working with? For me, it really is about that first um, connection and if they listen to what I ask. So I always ask about um, uh, what's your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? Because for us, that's a big value. And I want to know your demographics on your candidate pool and what you do to try to improve those. And if a firm doesn't respond to me there, if they like gloss over that question, I know it's probably not a value alignment. Um, and if they don't listen to me, if they don't listen to me say, okay, here's what we need. Here's what we have trouble filling is these really technical roles. I don't have a ton of budget, so maybe I can work with a firm once or twice a year. Um, but this is the kind of candidate we look for. And if they really hear that and they come back with, awesome, here's our MSA, you can sign it, but we don't need to work together today. Like I'm not trying to get money. What I want is I want to get you good talent. Um, I had one company do that and I was like, I love you. Okay, great. We will stay connected anytime I need this skill set. I'm going to reach out because they really heard me. They clearly knew the space because um, they were talking about the skill set we needed and what some of the challenges were and what they've seen and what they're finding in terms of those folks. 
Um, and I was like, oh, you know, you know the, the landscape, which makes me feel more confident. Um, yeah, so I think it's building that trust and, and active listening. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're, we're definitely, we want to be, to your, to your point earlier, we want to be the partners to you, right? So how can we be partners if we're not listening, right? We have to be able to listen, right? <laughs> um, that's just like relationships 101 right there, right? Right, right, yes. <laughs> um, now, also, I guess just another question that came to mind as we as you spoke about that. Now, I'm sure working remote, you're getting a lot of emails, probably more so than calls from, let's just say, potential recruiters, right? So getting those emails, um, I'm sure you get a lot. What... What is that deciding factor for you that determines, hey, I'm going to click on this email and I'm going to engage in working with this company as opposed to maybe any other company that you're getting an email from? I know sometimes it probably comes down to timing, which sounds awful, uh, but I think sometimes it is timing. And I know uh, companies, I'm sure, have in their sales pipeline like X number of touches, right, to continue to try and, and get at that right timing. Uh, but I do try to respond when folks are coming in through email, and I'll be honest, I am much more responsive to email than LinkedIn because I think there's been such an increase in the volume of LinkedIn outreach. It can be over. I'm sure you're, yeah, it's overwhelming. Um, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I can't get through all of these. Um, so somebody has found my email. Clearly they found it somehow. So whether it's been through a referral or they did at least a little bit of like first name, last name trying, I'm like, okay, you tried. Great. Um, so I do try to respond to all of the outreaches and I have my standard list of questions that I ask. I ask about, you know, what's your typical rate? What's your stick rate? Like what, it, um, when you place folks, what does that stick rate look like? Uh, what's your feedback from your, the, the temp or contract workers you work with? Like what's their feedback? What's your feedback from your employers you work with? Again, what's your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion? So I've got my standard list and I try to send that out to everybody who, who reaches out. Now, maybe some of them fall through the cracks of email, again, based on the timing. Uh, but for me, it's really about the the second email. So how do they respond to those questions? Which a lot of companies, you know, will respond, um, but they're very vague in their responses. They'll say, oh, let's jump on a call or um, these are great questions. Do you have time for me? And those ones I'm less responsive to. Um, then I am to a company that responds and says, these are great questions. Here's what we have. Here's our stick rate. We're trying to approve it or we're doing really well. Here's our commitment here. You can see our brochure about values. Like that company is going to get me a little bit more um, than the company that just wants to get me on the phone. <laughs> right. Yeah. I guess it makes sense because, you know, you don't know if the company that's actually going to try to get you on the phone is essentially going to waste your time. Whereas, you know, someone that's answering your questions, they're being very direct, right? Yeah, exactly. And transparent with, you know, here's the rate, here's what they need. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well, Mandy, I mean, those were most of the questions that I had for today's episode. Um, again, I really appreciate you spending time with us this afternoon and talking to us a little bit about your experience within HR, recruiting and hiring. Um, this has been a true pleasure. And I guess, you know, do you have any questions for me at all? Oh, I don't think so. I thank you so much. First of all, I really appreciate it. Love talking about hiring. I think it's such a critical piece. Um, I guess my question back to you, Tash, would be what are you hoping for out of this podcast? I think it's relatively early. So I'm really excited to tune in and listen. And I'm curious what your uh, dreams and, and hopes are for, for the podcast series. Yeah, great question. Um, you know, I just want to create, like I said, a platform where everyone can come to 
um, that does hiring and learn a little bit about what's going on in the industry, right? So I want to make it educational. I also want to make it very entertaining, right, for folks as well. Um, I think, you know, people that are doing hiring, recruiting, um, sales, anyone that's even touching like an interview on a day-to-day basis, um, the best people that know about that are the ones that are doing it daily, right? So oftentimes I'll speak about what I do to a lot of my friends and they have no you know, no idea of what exactly is going on in my world. But when I talk to someone that's in my world, it's a free flowing conversation, kind of like how this one was today with you, Meg, with Mindy. Um, so nonetheless, that, you know, I really want to create a platform where people can come to and, you know, be a, hear a voice that's more about recruiting and hiring. And in addition to that, you know, I would say my goals are, you know, eventually we're going to get to a point where we want to do in-person interviews. So, um, we want to do that and just create some dialogue around hiring. Um, so think about maybe being in a in a really nice room with six or seven um, people that are just like us, right? And we're just having a conversation and dialogue around hiring, recruiting, sales, interviewing. Um, and I think you know that will that will definitely create an audience that people will want to come and hear the hiring state of mind long-term. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Awesome. Absolutely. Thank you for that question. That's a great question. Well, I think that brings us to an end today, Mandy. Um, Really appreciate you coming on to the show. Um, This was definitely a pleasure speaking with you. Um, I guess for the rest of the world out there, um, please let us know how we can get in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. I've had such a a fun time today, Taj, so thank you. Folks can find me either via email at mandy at exponentpartners.com, or they can connect with me on social media. I'm on LinkedIn. Find me there. Um, I follow a ton of great hiring managers and hiring content like Taj's, so uh, please reach out. Perfect. Sounds good. Um, And yeah, that's it for today's show. Um, This was definitely another one for the books. Um, For those of you that are interested in learning more about the hiring state of mind, please like, comment, and subscribe to our channel. And, um, you know, we want to make sure that we get more guests just like Mandy on the show. So thanks again, Mandy. Thank you. Thank you.